Well, good morning. Thanks for taking the time to be together this morning. Thank you for those online joining us, and I pray that uh, you were blessed this last week as we had our fall revival. Aaron Chambers was here speaking, and just a great week of fellowship. Uh, I was praising God that we had uh, over half our normal Sunday morning attendance showed up every night of the revival, and so that was that was neat to see. That was fun to have that experience together, and I pray that it was just kind of one of those things that was a, a shot in the arm for you as you continue through the rest of 2022 as we close out October, November, December. I know things can get crazy and hectic, and it's easy to lose sight of where God is working, uh, and so I just want to encourage us to spend... Uh, much time being the church that he's called us to be. We're kind of going through that idea of being devoted and what the, the early disciples were devoted to. And so again, thank you for uh, those who are able to be here for that. If you missed any of those messages, you want to go online. Uh, they haven't shown up on our website quite yet, uh, pvcc.info, but you can always go to YouTube and just search Paradise Valley Christian Church, and then uh, you can watch those there as well. This morning, we're in our fourth week as we go through uh, the, the letter to the church in Colossae, and uh, the title of the series is The Supremacy of Christ. The supremacy of Christ. And this letter was written to help us as, as Christians see Christ for who he is and how he should be supreme in our lives, how he can make a difference when it comes to handling our every need. And so far, Paul is thankful to God. He's thankful to God that uh, the church there in Colossae, even though he's never met them, they're doing some amazing things, and yet there's things that they can improve on. And I would say that's a pretty good definition of the church in general, that there's some good things going on, and yet there's some things that we can always improve on. And so he paints this picture of Christ as supreme over all things, and, and we he wants to reconcile all things to himself. And so he describes the depth and the power of this reconciliation in our lives. And today we look at working hard for the gospel. That's the title of today's message is working hard for the gospel. And, and Paul models this for us in his life when it comes to his relationship with Christ. And he models it when it comes to how important the church is uh, as well. And so as we look at this idea this morning, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we are grateful for the privilege it is to come and to be together. I thank you for each one in this room. Uh, maybe they're visiting for the first time. Maybe they're new to this congregation. Maybe they're longtime members. Maybe they're trying to figure out how to get plugged in and uh, figure out if this is where God you want them. And, and wherever each one of us are at this morning, we, we humbly come before you. Uh, not one better than the other, but all of us, your children, all of us with faults, all of us with things that trip us up in life. And I, I'm grateful, God, that you have offered us grace and forgiveness and mercy. And so, Father, your word teaches, it, it corrects us, it rebukes us, it, it has power to do amazing things in our lives. And so may we be in tune with your word and your Holy Spirit would work mightily in this place right now. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. If you are able and willing this morning, will you stand with me as we turn to Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through chapter 2, verse 5. Paul is writing here. He says, Now I rejoice 
in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. You may be seated. I don't know if you've ever had a child that likes to beat a play toy drum. It can be fun for a time, but then it kind of becomes maybe bothersome. And yet here at PV, one of the things that we want to continue to beat the drum about is that we want to be God's people that are his disciples. So we're learning, we're following his teachings, and then we are also helping others become disciples we want to beat that drum over and over and over again. And so what does it look like to work hard for the gospel as you try and make disciples? When it comes to working hard for the gospel, I believe it begins with your attitude. And, and so if you're taking notes this morning, there's three things that we're going to look at from these verses that I think we need in order to be working hard for the gospel. And the first is having the right attitude. And if you look at verse 24 there, Paul says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. And the New Living Translation says verse 24 this way. It says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. Meaning God, Jesus promised us that there would be, the, there would be persecutions amongst believers in the church. As, as he is no longer here, there's persecutions towards him because the body is, is his. He is the head of the church. And so Paul is saying that he rejoices in those sufferings that he faces. And when my kids, they don't, they don't always love doing everything we ask them to do. I don't know if any parents have ever experienced that. But th it shows, doesn't it, parents? It, it shows on their faces. It shows in their body language. Like, 
oh, we have to do that again, oh man, and so we've adopted in our house, which is something that my kids don't really love, but we adopted this, if you act enthusiastic, you will be enthusiastic, right, I mean, if, if your attitude is a good attitude, then you can't help but be excited, and, and we do this early in the morning, my kids hate it then, we do it in the afternoon, my kids hate it then, but we, if we act enthusiastic, we will be enthusiastic. And as Christians, what has happened to our joy? So many of us are walking around like, oh man, let's, I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to get through another day. And that's not the way God has called us to live. We're called to live with joy. Proverbs 17, verse 22 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart. Don't you love hanging out with people that are enjoyable to hang out with like they're fun they're they're optimistic they're not everything oh so poor me life is terrible we're all going yeah you know it's just everything's the worst thing in the world I don't like hanging out with those people a lot okay I like to hang out with people that love life enjoy being alive because it's not about surviving I'm watching uh maybe you've seen the show alone and one of the people in the show said uh, surviving and living are two different things Surviving is just trying to get through that day. Living is enjoying the experiences of that day. And, and not, I'm not saying everything is just wonderful all the time. In fact, many of you here this morning have gone through and are continuing to go through some rough things. Maybe you've gone through some financial struggles or some marital struggles or some spiritual struggles or maybe, um, you know, per parental struggles. I, I think that's a word, parental, yeah. And, and so whatever you might have been dealing with, in this life, and you continue to deal with, it, it's, it's not always easy. But where is our joy gone? Because I believe that that good medicine, you know, cheerful heart is good medicine. It's not only good medicine for you, but it's good medicine for the people that you come in contact with. What you dish, what you receive, what you have inside you, you have the ability to give that out. And so what are you giving? And when we do ministry, when we do things for the kingdom of God, it's not always butterflies and, and, and gummy bears. You know, I, I just wrote that down. I don't know if anybody ever says that, but it, it's not. Just so you know that you can quote that as Charles' original. I don't really know, but ministry is not always butterflies and gummy bears, all right? It's not always going to go wonderfully all the time. There may be times when you pour into someone, you disciple them, you spend time and energy and most likely some money investing in someone to reach them for Jesus Christ, and at the end of it all, they just say, no, I don't really think I'm into this Jesus thing. And that's disappointing. That's disheartening. It's not easy that's, there's a suffering that takes place in that maybe, you know, you, you get made fun of or ostracized in your workplace or at school because you stand up for the truth. And that's not easy. That's a struggle. How do you respond? Do you take joy in those situations? Or are you down in the dumps? When you disciple kids by teaching on a Sunday morning and you're investing and you're pouring into them and you think you have the best lesson and they just don't seem to pay attention one bit and it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other, how do you respond in that struggle? Do you rejoice? Paul went through a lot of stuff to share the gospel to reach other people. And you think about even today, other Christians in, in countries where it's illegal to be a Christian, what they go through. We can't even begin to imagine the struggles that they have. And Paul went through a lot of those kind of same struggles and he rejoiced. 
He rejoiced in those things. And I wonder how many of you rejoice in your sufferings. Like, whoo, yes, God, mold me, chip away at me, change me in those struggles, in those sufferings. My guess is that's pretty foreign to most of us. We like to be comfortable. We don't like things to be difficult. The fruit of the Spirit, though, is this. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. What's the second one? Joy. There's supposed to be joy in our lives as Christians. And, and Paul, he says, hey, you got to have the right attitude. If you're going to work for the kingdom, if you're going to work hard for the gospel, you got to have the right attitude. And you see that all throughout Scripture. Acts 13.52, the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Well, how could that be? Well, the Holy Spirit. It's not about you. It's about the Holy Spirit working in you. It produces joy in the believer. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a hope that should just overflow out of our lives and that joy should be present that the world would see that. There it is again, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4. I have great confidence in you. I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged in all our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. That's where we're supposed to be at as Christians. And sometimes I have to like work at it. Like I drive down the road, and there's not a ton of people that you pass in Casper where they're like, you know, they don't really wave at you. I don't know if everybody's just so busy thinking what they're thinking about, but I just, I go down there. I'm from Montana, you know, and we drive down country road and you wave at people. You don't know who those people are. You just wave, you know? And so I purposely, like, I put a smile on my face going to work and I just wave at people. And I'm just wondering, like, at what point will those people, like, start, like, smiling and waving at other people? I don't know. I don't know if it should make, it will make a difference in their lives, but I know it makes a difference in my life. Paul worked hard for the gospel, and he did it with the right attitude. He had joy. And what about you and I today? Do we work hard for the gospel with the right attitude? We should. We should be working for the gospel with the right ad attitude. And it needs to be for the right reasons as well. If you're taking notes, work hard for the right reasons. Verses 25 down through 29 kind of gives us several different right reasons that we should be working for. And the first one that I see is working for the Lord. Working for the Lord and not for men. And my two-year-old daughter, Berkeley, uh, we've been encouraging her to do memory verses. You're like, what? Two-year-old? Guess what? She can do it. Um, and she doesn't do it perfectly, but you, like, give her different words in the verse, and she, got, she has the next word, okay? And I remember my 17-year-old daughter, Brinley, we have this on video, and she does this video, this verse so cute at two years old back 15 years ago, Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 24. I'm going to give my best little kid impersonation here. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. And that was Ber Brindley 15 years ago, and that's Berkeley today. And it's, it's so important 
Because in verse 24, it also says, Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So often we get caught up in, in wanting to please one another, whether it be in the church, in, in our workplace, in our homes. We're trying to do everything for the other person. Always worried about what somebody else thinks. Well, guess what? You're not going to stand before somebody else someday on Judgment Day. You're going to stand before the Lord. And so what are we doing? Are we working for the Lord or are we working for men? And I pray that we are working for the Lord we're going to get more into that idea later on as we go through Colossians, but I just want to make sure that you realize that everything we do in this life should be done for God, not for somebody else. As I stand up here, I, I preach the word to the best of my ability as accurately as possible, not so that I can get your praise, but so that God would be glorified. I'm working for the Lord, and if I mess something up, call me out on it for sure, but I don't preach to please men and i preach to please god and if you are doing a ministry for any other reason you're missing out you know you shouldn't be doing ministry because charles asked you to or because larry asked you to or because autumn asked you to or tommy asked you to you should be doing ministry because god is calling you to take your talents and abilities and use them for kingdom growth and again, if you're doing ministry for any other reason, you're missing what doing ministry is all about because ministry is about doing what God is calling you to. In verse 25, Paul says that he was commissioned, or a, a, a synonym was like custom built. Paul was commissioned to share this truth, this mystery. And so to work hard for the gospel is, again, to be pleasing to God. And the, the word commission means a group of people officially charged with a particular function. God has commissioned each one of us to be his ambassadors. And that came out this last week in the revival, 2 Corinthians 5.20, the idea that we are God's chosen people that we are his, his workmanship that we have to be, that we're called to be ambassadors to speak on his behalf like someone if someone was an ambassador for the united states and they go over to the the united nations they speak on the behalf of the united states okay an ambassador and we have that responsibility to work hard for the gospel to make god happy not men happy verse 26 mentions another reason to work hard for the gospel is so that what used to be a mystery especially for the gentiles is now made plain to everyone to everyone guess what your spouse needs to hear about the hope for eternity in jesus your kids need to hear about the hope for eternity in jesus your coworker or your boss needs to hear about the hope of eternity in jesus your classmates or your teacher they need to hear about the hope for eternity in jesus your friends need to hear about the hope for eternity in jesus and it used to be a mystery it used to be something that was hidden, but now Jesus, because of Jesus, it's made simple for us. It's that God created us, that he wants that relationship with us. But because of sin and how we mess up in this life, we've been separated from God. But because of his son, Jesus, the one and only, the only begotten, no one like him, Jesus took our place 
And so he bridged the gap between God and us, and we can be reconciled back into relationship with him if we are willing to surrender our own will, what we want for ourselves and our lives, and allow for God to rule in our lives. See, you have to work hard for the gospel of Jesus if all those people that you know are going to come into relationship with God. You know a lot of people that don't know Jesus yet. I don't know all those people, but you do. And working together, all of us, we can make a difference in their lives. A third right reason to work hard for the gospel is so that everyone might have a chance to be perfect in Christ. You read that there uh, in verse Verse 28, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Everyone. That they might have an opportunity to be presented to God as perfect in Christ. The reason you work hard to share that mystery with so, as many people as you can is again so that this verse 28 might actually happen. That it might take place in the lives of your family members. And as you think about us as a church, as we come together, we don't meet on Sundays to say, hey, look at us. You know, we don't say, hey, look how great we are. Look at the, the growth that's taking place. Look at all the things that we are doing. No, we come together as a church to point people to Jesus. We want people to hear the truth of God's word. We want them be, to be convicted by the truth, to be taught by the truth, and for no other reason than seeing everyone in Casper, Wyoming, come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you're thinking, that's a lot of people. That's like 60,000 people. How is that possible if we were to get to a point here in Casper that the people you drive by on CY in other vehicles, they all know Jesus? How are we going to get to that point? That's, that's crazy. Think about all the people that you interact with at Walmart, workers, just people in the aisle, people that, you know, you're waiting behind in the line. How do all those people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And, and you know, the realists in the room are like, that's never going to happen. That's not true. God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And do people have choice? Yeah, they do. And is that the hard part about reaching people for Jesus? Yeah, it is. But that means that we have so much opportunity. There, there's so much potential in reaching and helping people become perfect in Christ. There's, there's reasons why we work hard for the gospel. And again, it's not, it's not about the work that we are going to accomplish. Hey, look at me. Look how many people I reach for Jesus. No, it's about what Jesus is doing in and through us, the Holy Spirit's power working within us. It's not about the work, again, individually, but as a church. What is God wanting to do in and through us? And so you have to work hard for the gospel with the right attitude, for the right reasons. And the third thing I would encourage you to write down is you have to work hard for the gospel for the right outcomes as well. There's outcomes that show up here in, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And as you read down through these, the first one that I see is there in verse 2, where the, there's this encouraged, they're encouraged in heart. They're encouraged in heart. 
And as believers, we, we are in this Christian thing together. Okay? We're, we're not just supposed to be out on our own trying to do it all by ourselves, but we work hard for the gospel to encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. 1 Thessalonians 5:11 says this: Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. And I just want you to know you're doing it. You're encouraging. Being here this morning is encouraging to me. The, the conversations that I've had with many of you are encouraging to me. And I know you're doing that for many others around you. Encouraging one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And you think about that idea of spurring one another on. Gary Williams in first service, he has boots that are made specifically for putting on spurs. And then uh, another individual, uh, Jim Wetzel, he said, just so you know, spurs can go on any shoes if you really want them to, right? They don't have to be specially made boots. But the truth is, is that we're supposed to spur one another on. Well, what does that look like? Well, spurring, you know, a horse is like kicking them in the side, you know, let's get up, let's go. Are we encouraging one another? Are we spurring one another on to love and good deeds? Again, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 goes on to say, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. We live in times where we are seeing the day approaching, whether it's Jesus coming back on the clouds in this lifetime or the fact that someday we will pass from this life. And I just want you to know, it doesn't matter what age you are this morning, none of us know how long we have. In fact, I played in a parent-kid soccer game yesterday. Let me tell you guys, I almost died yesterday, okay? All right, 42 years old, I almost, you know, collapsed there on the soccer field. I thought I was doing really well, and then my allergies caught up with me, and I was having a hard time breathing, and I I took some Aleve cold and sinus, like, as soon as I could, and I, I lived, praise the Lord, and, but none of us know, right? None of us know how long we have here on this earth. You see, the day is approaching when we'll stand before the Lord, and what are we doing with the time that we have leading up to that? Are we encouraging one another? Are we meeting together? Are we spurring one another on to love and good deeds? In verse 2, chapter 2, it says, My purpose is that you may be encouraged in heart. Encouraged in heart. And then it goes on to say, And united in love. There's, a, there's a, an outcome there. Being united in love. And there's a peanut, Peanuts cartoon uh, with Lucy, you know, Peanuts cartoon, Lucy demanded that Linus change the TV channel, threatening him with her fist if he didn't. Well, what makes you think you can walk right in here and take over, asks Linus. These five fingers, says Lucy, individually, they're nothing but when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Which channel do you want? Asks Linus. <laughs> Turning away, he looks at his fingers and says, why can't you guys get organized like that? 
And I think sometimes we, we miss out on getting organized, being unified, having, you know, a weapon for the kingdom of God. You know, that's the church. We're to be unified in love. We read from Moody's anecdotes, there are two ways of being united. One is being frozen together, and the other is being melted together. And as I thought about that, you know, to me, being frozen has the, the idea of very little movement. That you're kind of stuck. You can't, you know, you're frozen. But the idea of being melted together has this idea of being on fire. And I believe that as the church, we need to be on fire, unified in love as we make a difference in this world. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says this, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there, will, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. And I believe that when we're united, there's nothing that God can't do through us. When we join together arm in arm for the kingdom of God, amazing things happen. In, in verse 2 and 3, there's this idea of full riches of complete understanding so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. There's an outcome when you work hard for the gospel that other people will begin to have that fullness of the knowledge of God, that wisdom in their lives. Psalm 110 verse 130 says this, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And if you're like me this morning, I'm pretty simple. Uh, Aaron Chambers talked about he kind of thinks on a fourth grade level. Uh, I may be fifth grade, but I'm not far off of that fourth grade. I'm pretty simple. And so you have the ability to take God's words, the things that you understand about Scripture and share it with people. It says it gives light and it gives understanding to those that may not have much knowledge at all. The simple, those who are just learning. You have more knowledge to share than they already have. And, and so your efforts, they do make a difference. I've, I've talked to lots of people and, and it's, at times it feels like, man, I just, I, I'm, I'm talking, and does it have an impact? But many of you have shared back with me that it is making a difference. God's word is making a difference in your lives. And then you take it, and you share it with somebody else, and it's making a difference in their lives because an outcome of working hard for the gospel is this full riches of complete understanding. And guess what? It might take a while for some people to get to that full, complete understanding of God's word, and I just want to say, don't give up. Don't give up. It might take some time, but don't give up on them. Don't write them off. Allow for God to work because God is patient. And he doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to the saving grace of his son. 
And so the fourth in verse 4 of chapter 2, it says this, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. We work hard for the gospel so that people aren't deceived, so that you're not deceived, so that your, your family members are not deceived. When you don't give up, people are not deceived. And I wonder, how, have you ever been deceived? Aaron asked the question at the revival, have you ever been lied to? And it's, again, deceived, lied to. What, what does that feel like? It doesn't feel great, does it? And yet we live in a culture that's all about deception. Have you ever considered how much of our society is built on that? We're told that gambling is a remedy for our financial woes, that pornography is, is not immoral, that violent and immoral TV is not harmful, that sexual immorality is okay, that homosexuality is not really a sin, and that there is no absolute truth, and it's being taught in our schools, on our TVs, in other people's homes, uh, wherever in our world, and, and it's, it's scary, and it's sad, and it's frustrating, and it's, it, it maybe can cause fear at times, and, and yet God is bigger than anything that's going on in this world. And we have a responsibility to speak truth into people's lives. And when we do that, it helps people from being deceived. We're told this while we, we continue, again, in our culture that is spiraling out of control, that there is no absolute truth, and yet we know from God's word there is. And Paul didn't want the church in Colossae to be deceived, and I don't want this church to be deceived, and I don't want our world and our community to be deceived. 2 Timothy 3, 12-14. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Uh-oh. Okay, I, I want to live a godly life. That means i got to be ready for some persecution. He goes on to say, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived but as for you continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it you got to work hard you got to take what you've received and you got to share it you got to speak truth into people's lives so that they won't be deceived you got to stand firm on God's word so that you are not deceived you got to work hard for the gospel. For the last thing, which is to remain firm in your faith. Verse 5 says, For though I am absent from the, you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. To be firm in your faith. And I just want to close with Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, a familiar passage. It's the armor of God. And it describes the effort, the effort that has to take place to remain firm in our faith. It's not just a one-time deal. It's a daily choice to put on the full armor of God. And so Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 says this, and really listen to some key words here. It says, finally, be strong. In the Lord, not in yourself, in the Lord, and in his mighty power. In order to do that, you got to do this. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. 
You want to be firm in your faith? You want to take your stand against the devil's schemes in verse 11? Then you got to put on the full armor of God. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. All occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And I believe when we choose to do those things in our lives, you're going to be able to stand firm. You're going to be able to stand firm in your faith, and you're going to work hard for the gospel to help others stand firm in their faith. As the praise team comes this morning, I just want to close with this. Uh, there are three kinds of workers, and you might disagree with this. I don't know. This was an illustration that I thought made sense in my mind. So the question is, which of the three are you? There's three kinds of workers. For example, when a piano is being moved... The first kind gets behind and pushes. The, the second pulls and guides. And the third grabs the piano bench. In my house, oftentimes we hear the phrase, work smarter, not harder. But I believe God wants us to do both, actually. He wants us to work smart, but he also wants us to work hard. Because I believe... When we work hard, it makes a difference. And so we have to ask ourselves the question this morning as we close out our time together, am I working hard for the gospel of Jesus Christ? And if I am, am I working for, with the right attitude, for the right reasons, and for the right outcomes? And if you're here this morning and you don't feel like you're doing much for the Lord, and we'd encourage you to, to get involved in one of the ministry teams here at PV. There's all sorts of them. There, there's a finance team, a media team, a, a worship team, a youth team, an evangelism discipleship team, a women's team, an education team, a missions team, a buildings and grounds team, a children's ministry team, and even teams that haven't been started yet because you are supposed to be the one that starts it. Did you know that? There might be something that you're passionate about that we are not doing ministry in that area yet because you are the one that's supposed to help get that off the ground. And maybe you've never placed your membership with this local body of believers and you want to say, hey, I want to come alongside this family. I want to do ministry alongside them. I want people to know that PV is my church home and you want to help grow the kingdom through this body of believers, we'd invite you to come as we sing in just a moment. And, and maybe you've never given your life to the work of the kingdom of God because you've kind of been doing your own thing. 
You've been selfish about your time. You've been selfish about your money. You've been selfish about your talents. You've been selfish about your family. You've been selfish about your schedule. And this morning you're finally saying, yeah, God, I don't, I don't want it to be just about me. What do you want to do through me, God? I want to work hard for the gospel. Because this life, it's just a mist. It comes and goes quickly. And if we're not making the most of the time we have, I think we're going to live eternity with some regrets. So I pray that we are doing everything we can do for the kingdom of God, with the influence that we have, and that He would get all the praise. Will you stand with us as we sing this morning?